thank you, thank you, thank you. Again, just smile and wave to me. Wow. I just love being around people. After this uh, long last year where uh, there were so many different times, I just missed hugging people, being around people, loving on people. And I had a very special time with the men this morning. And you got some uh, mighty men of valor in this house. Wow, there's a lot of giant slayers here. And I'm just sensing this incredible gratitude for what God is doing here. And I was thinking about it, maybe tomorrow we have an opportunity. But I remember very clearly in year 2000, I had just had a fresh baptism of love. And I was walking with Papa Jack. He had just become a spiritual father to me. I'm a young Norwegian, and I just want wisdom from Papa. And we were walking around. He always talked about the kingdom. Did you realize that? I mean, Papa Jack was kingdom possessed. And he had a kingdom virus that no mask could protect against. I mean, I tell you, you cannot protect. You got around Papa Jack, you got the kingdom virus. And you became contagious. He was seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness. Papa Jack, I mean, that was, he was consumed by the kingdom. So he was talking about kingdom, kingdom. And I, my mind was like, it was so overwhelming. Even English was my second language. So finally, I'm like, Papa, what does the kingdom look like? I want a practical and he said, son, I do not know, but all I know, it will only be entrusted through family. And I never forgot that. But I, what I didn't realize in year 2000, old dream dreams, young see visions. Fathers and mothers dreams, sons and daughters of vision. What I didn't realize that when Papa Jack said it, it was a seed of family that went in this Norwegian soil. And it was about 16 years later, I bought that. Jennifer and Mama Frida, Papa Jack, we were in the Philippines. And we had about close to a thousand of our young leaders. And we were worshiping together. And they saw the oneness that was in that room. They saw the family operating like family should. Wow. And I still remember Papa Jack. He stood there, tears rolling down his face. And finally he looked at me and he said, son, that's what the kingdom looked like. And uh, there's something for me even when I'm looking around at this family. I see this generational move of God's spirit. And I'm seeing grandmas and grandpas in this house. Fathers and mothers and sons and daughters. And realizing what God is up to and what God is doing. And we get to be part of it. I wanted to show a little video. And uh, I think. I just uh, wanted to thank every single one of you for uh, giving and praying so that I have an opportunity to go to Pakistan. Uh, everyone and to be alive. It was a wonderful, wonderful. We're still breathing because we have seen the
और अब आप गिरे की तरह नहीं रहे आप खुदा के बेटे और बेटियां बन गए हैं आपका जोरदार है खुदा की बादशाही के साथ वी गिव जीसस अ गुड हैंड What the enemy meant for evil, God used it for good. And it was actually one of those days that I got a call from the persecuted church and they asked us to come over because they talked about severe persecution. And as you maybe watched on the video, they had just burned down 200 Christian homes and 80 businesses and it was just horrific. There was rape taking place and I realized at that moment it was time for us to step right into that equation and then to be able to change the environment. And as we walked into this, it was so much chaos. And the reason I'm sharing this testimony in this video is connected to the message that I wanted to share with us today. In Luke 19:10, say Luke 19:10. The Bible says Jesus came to save. Say Jesus came to save that which was lost. It didn't say Jesus come to save just those that was lost. It said Jesus came to save. Just read it. any area where the enemy came to kill steal and destroy jesus came to save that which was lost and i want to encourage you even in this season to make a list of every area of loss in your life and this became very important to me because i'm just sharing a couple of testimony and it's hard without wanting to cry because uh, one of the first one i was just during worship today and Paul and I were just standing there and suddenly I got the picture that took me back again and that verse had been just drilling in me that Jesus came to save that which was lost and we went to Cambodia a good friend of ours uh, his name is Steve Hyde but we have just been in Phnompen and released a baptism of love this is after we have seen uh, the killing fields and the genocide museum it was just horrific some of the images and then I decided I want to go up north to meet with some of the victims of this genocide So I met the generation where like one person they had killed 39 of the family members she was the only one that survived so I ministered to her and ministered to other people and I released the baptism of love and hearing the pain that was coming out of them and as I say in Phnompen we have 4000 young people I've never seen actually Peter McHugh was there with me and we were there together and to see that room the screams that was coming over 4000 young people as the waves of love was coming in and pain and fear and God was just he was just healing people but then when we came up to the northern part of the country and I felt the pain and the brokenness of so many different people Finally we're going to have testimony we release healing and first it was a lady on the second row she was deaf and mute and she started to speak and hear another lady she was blind and she opened up and she could she could see and it was miracle after miracle and they lined up up on the stage and we're going to have testimony she said I uh, and this is being translated she said I I I don't know how to read and and write So I asked the translator, okay, but what did Jesus do? And he translated, and it came back again. And I said, but but what did Jesus do? And again, it was the same thing, four or five times. And I'm kind of getting a little into chair two. I've repented, I got back into chair number one again. 
But I'm, I'm like, do you not understand? Let me speak slowly. What did Jesus do? Because this is testimony. And this person was blind, now can see. This person was deaf, now can hear. This person had tumor in the breast and now it's gone. What did Jesus do for you? And she said it again. And then I remembered a verse. But Jesus came to save that which was lost. And my translator said, it is not that she doesn't understand. You do not understand. Eighty percent of the women in this place, they know how to read and write. Because if they had any education, the Khmer Rouge would kill them. And by keeping them ignorant, that's the only way their parents could save their life. But now they have grown up with ignorance. But it's been the stigma because they have not been able to read and write. And my heart was just broken as I heard about it. But I had that verse and I was in a season where I was just making a list of any area where the enemy has gone after. That Jesus came to save that which was lost. So we got the Khmer Bible and got it up. And now the translator said, but don't you understand? She doesn't know how to read and write. I said, yes, but Jesus came to save that which was lost. That's including her reading and writing. But she's never learned it. And their alphabet is very difficult. But Jesus came to save that which was lost. And eventually we put it open up to John 3.16. And you should have seen the face. I actually have it on my phone. And I got a little video of it. And this lady starts open up and Suddenly, she starts to read fluently in a language that she starts to read fluently, and the tears is flowing down her face. That night, 86 people in that room that had not learned how to read just started to read the Bible because Jesus came to save that which was lost. Later on, we ended up in Bangkok, and in Bangkok, I was doing a an, an event with some friends of ours. One is David Hogan, and another guy named Meltari. Uh, you maybe know some of them. And we were doing this pastors and leadership event. And again, it was an opportunity for me to drift into a chair too. Because in the back, there was one boy all during the meeting. He was about 12 years old. And he was ah, 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 all during the meeting. And all of us was kind of a, is some usher going to take him out? Or so? But we found out he was severe autistic. And the mama had traveled far to the meeting. She had been watching some of the video of all of Instead of me being compassionate about this woman, sometimes we, we got irritated. And she was prayed for, and he was prayed for. And, but every time there was an impartation, she was right up, and the boy was there. And he was just screaming and yelling all during the time. And finally, I was like, Papa... And the father just rebuked me. He says, Leif, I want you to sit down. This was impartation time. And the mom had just brought him to one of the speakers and then to the next one. And, and actually, Jake Hamilton was leading worship. And I just sat down on stage there and I just was broken. And he said, I want you to see that's my daughter. And what do you feel last night when she went home? So the Holy Spirit starts to speak to me. What do you think that she felt? She had hope when she came to this meeting. And she had heard about raising the dead and everything else. And and you're getting irritated. And I repent that I'm so sorry, Pop. And I just sat on the stage. I wouldn't pray for one single person. I just sat there. And suddenly this boy started to wrestle through the crowds, came up on the stage, crawled up on my lap in front of everyone, put his legs around me. And first he did, uh, 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 and then he softened up, put his head into my chest. And for the next hour and 40 minutes, I didn't pray for anyone. He just uh, sat there and he squeezed me and he loved on me. And I just sat there with this boy. And over a period of time, I still remember this severe autistic boy. 
When we brought him back again to the mama, during that evening, the boy started to speak for the first time in his life. And he got healed from autism, severe autism, because Jesus came to save that which was lost. So I was just in this amazing season, and right before this video happened, we had been, actually it was one of the last meetings that Dr. Bob Phillips was with me. And he was a friend of both Alan and a friend of ours and of the house. And Bob, it was the last meeting that late that one night, they were storming the stage. We went to an area where there's one and a half million people in the region, and they have never once heard the name of Jesus. And it's been one of the darkest places we've been, and there were so many attacks. But the last day, they even took a dead baby and threw it up towards the stage, towards me. And it was a horrific time as they pressed and tried to coming in and and eventually the guards were machine guns as we prayed. We saw some of the greatest creative miracles. I have a video of it. Quadriplegic was walking. The paraplegic. We even saw Jesus creating eyeballs in the front of the people. And in the end, uh, maybe tomorrow morning we have a chance. But 22,400 people surrender to Jesus. But as they were attacking us, finally the guards grabbed me. And I was just trying to touch one more, one more. And then they grabbed me and put us out. And our team getting us out of that. And we got into this four-wheel drive. There's one vehicle in the front and one in the back of us. In case of suicide bombers, when they blow themselves up, that there is a bigger chance you're going to make it. And you're kind of in a shock. But I still remember there was one father. And there's a huge crowd like you saw here on the video. One in the background. And he was holding up. He was holding up the wheelchair and he was holding up his son, putting it down. And then the wheelchair, he was all the way in the back. I was like, bless him. But he couldn't come because the crowds that was around. So I couldn't sleep that night. They were able to get us out 24 hours afterwards. We are in safety and now everything, your emotional tank, you just crash. It's been about six months of suddenly battle after battle and you're worn out and weary. And I'm just sitting there and I'm starting to weep, just tired and just thinking about not just all the miracles of what God was doing. But I also was thinking about all those people that left there without hope. All of these people, when I saw them wheeling their children out in the wheelchair, it was the first time that Jesus had been in that area. So I was just sitting there, Papa, I, I struggle with this, and this is so hard. And, and I was telling Papa about this man. Less than 15 minutes afterwards, we got a call, my coordinator, and it was Dr. Marcus Fida. And he says, we just got a call from the region, the one that organized the meeting. And the presence of Jesus, the presence of Jesus, we heard about the presence of Jesus, continued to linger on people. It went into the mosque, and when people came home, the homes got full with the presence of Jesus. And they said, we don't know it, but let us tell you a story. And if that story was just for me, I say it's the greatest miracle I have known of. But they said it was this boy, he was quadriplegic, the father, he was back in the corner and he was holding up the wheelchair. He wanted to come to the meeting because the night before two quadriplegic, he heard a testimony that they had been healed and how he was hoping it was going to happen to his boy. But he went very disappointed away. Because the guards took you out of the meeting. And then he stood there and he had been holding up the wheelchair and holding up the boy. But when he came home and he put this boy on a mat throughout the night, the presence of Jesus filled. And this boy could just feel easily. It was just continue all night. And by the morning, he started for the first time in his life to have movements and strength. He got up. He got up of that mat. And he walked into the kitchen and he hugged his father. Totally healed as a quadriplegic that was born that way. 
And this revival just swept into that region and area. And I'm saying that there's something that was just stirring my spirit. And there was one more little testimony that came to me today that uh, this was actually, we lived in Florence, Alabama. And I was sitting in my car and it's connected to this message. And suddenly the presence of Jesus was coming into my car. And I first thinking on my way from Huntsville Airport, this is not a good time. Because I know some of those Alabama troopers. But I was kind of a driving down the road. And a man named Christopher Olson, who is a spiritual son. He's an Assembly of God pastor. Uh, he was on staff at Heartland Assembly of God in Ankeny, Iowa. So Christopher Olson, he ends up on the phone with me. And I'm just talking a little bit on the phone. But then it, it was kind of a rude because suddenly he hanged up. I'm like, Christopher, Christopher, where are you? What I found out later on while I talked on the phone, the presence just hit him. He's in Iowa, we are in Alabama. And he ends up on the floor. And when he gets up on the floor, he's real, oh, I'm supposed to be in staff meeting. So he walked by Laura. And Laura, the secretary, she falls off the chair. He thought, that's strange, but I better go into the staff meeting. When they're coming into the staff meeting, the glory of God hits the staff meeting. And the presence hit there. So by the time I was going to go up there and doing services, there was an incredible level of expectation. The room got filled up. People were waiting outside. I know somebody, they drove 10 hours to come to the meeting because the rumors are that something is about to happen. And it was this incredible expectation. And I felt it just during worship. I don't know why, but during the worship, that whole picture came back to me. And it was a beautiful time. I said the services were so great that we had 11 services where I couldn't preach at all. God just came in. All we needed to do was to host the present. And it was one of those nights. I remember Dave Olson was on the floor. He's also son of Papa Jack. And I was on the floor. And suddenly we're looking back and the worship team, all of them are out. And they just put on some music to keep it going. And about two hours has gone in and I was trying to come up on the floor and we tried several times and I was grabbing the microphone and was like, and I was asking Steve, one of the guitar players, Steve, he's, I said, tell me what did Jesus do? But he was like pale. He just walked straight out of the room. I was thinking, this is a little rude. So the next day I'm interviewed. I say, Steve, what happened last night? He said, I couldn't talk about it. But let me describe. He said that when I was in high school, my high school girlfriend, she became pregnant. And I pretty much forced her to have an abortion. And then he said, after I got saved and then we got married and I had kids and he has three children. He said, now they have grown. And he said, I just want you to know I should have had a daughter. And I've known it all my time. I've gone through Zozo and RTF, Restoring the Foundation, every inner healing. But there's been something missing. But that day while I was laying on the floor, the presence came in. And the next moment my spirit came up and... There was this room and Jesus opened up this door and says, I want you to come in. And I walked into this room with Jesus and he said, I want you to meet Marianne, your daughter. And then Steve said, she came up and says, I forgive you, dad. And shall we dance? And he said, I dance with my daughter. And that's why he was like a ghost. And Steve was totally healed from this big black hole he had had in his soul. Another person I still remember he was at, he was holding up the phone and said, my dad, my dad, he has Alzheimer's and he's on the other side of the phone. And in Arkansas, the presence of God hit him and also, and he was healed from Alzheimer's. Another person sat there with cancer, cancer disappeared. There was all these unusual thing. We had fire. But what I realized that this fire, we 
We couldn't continue. We continued from morning to night, morning to night. But we were pretty much burning out because we didn't have a culture that could sustain it. And I knew that part of God's calling was to raise healthy fireplaces that can steward, that can host heaven, and then to take that fire and bring the wind to spread that fire so that other places where it's dryness, the fire of God could fall. In one moment, I was on the phone while we were in the glory realm here in Wisconsin. 700 people came, and the Spirit moved into that room, and people, 700 people, it just swept through that room. It was just glorious time, and I don't know why I was sitting here, but it was connected to the message today as well as during the worship. I'm just sensing this hunger in my spirit in this season that I'm feeling God is inviting us to experiencing something with him. And he's bringing such a hope to my spirit, hope to my body. It was almost unusual to not see great creative miracles. And that was in America. We had one girl named Renee in the wheelchair. Still remember, it was the first creative miracle I saw in America. She ran around that building. It was amazing. Rumors spread, church got filled up, and the glory came in. There were so many times I couldn't move at all because of the glory. I'm saying that because I wanted to talk a little bit today about authentic discipleship, authentic lifestyle, living and loving just like Jesus. The Father loves us just the way we are, but he refused for us to stay that way because he wants us to be just like Jesus. And I've been in this season, this whole year of COVID-19, that we've just spent some time with Jesus. We have spent some time with Jesus. There's a lot of things I've been throwing overboard in this season. Been simplifying some things and clarifying some things and purifying some things. But I'm moving into a season where I'm just realizing as I'm together with him that, wow, he is doing something unique in this season. And there was a moment there. And if you're taking some notes, we're going to go scriptures. You're going to get about 20 minutes message. And then we're going to start to activate. Are you guys okay? But in John 13, I was there with Jesus. But... How many of you, by the way, have seen Chosen? How many of you love Chosen? Oh, yeah, that, that is also doing something with me. Isn't that true, Heidi? Chosen. I've been watching Chosen, and, there, and I really think there's a movement happening. I'm meeting people all over the place. There are lost people that I can have a conversation. What do you think about that Jesus in Chosen? Or I just tell people, just tell somebody in your workplace, watch Chosen. Even if you're afraid of witnessing, ask them just to watch Chosen. So let's put it on your phone and send it to people. It's just beautiful and amazing. And now we have our daughter, Catherine Holman, Jennifer and myself and Catherine. And Mama Frida is also joining us. And we are watching Chosen together. But I'm also was thinking so much as been watching that. And I've been on this journey with Jesus. Here you are a John. I mean, John was a lion. Fire from heaven to come against those that don't receive him. And the same John and his journey with Jesus. Watching what is taking place. That lion is actually becoming a lamb. And then John becomes the very one that the Bible says. The disciple whom Jesus loved. And John, by the way, Matthew never says that. Mark never says it. Luke never says it. But John says it. And John says it about John. And he says it five times. And it is as inspired as John 3.16 by the Holy Spirit. And why? 
Why? Because John loved John the way Jesus loved John. Everybody else knew how much Jesus loved them. But it came to a point where John started to love John the way Jesus loved John. And that's why he was entrusted to take care of Jesus' mother. So when I'm watching these guys, but here's kind of the challenge. It's been for me in this season. Because I know that it is a season for me to present myself as a living sacrifice, which is just my reasonable service. There was a time I took up the cross and I followed Jesus into some of the darkest places in the world. But then I also had a season where to some degree we have a beautiful, I have a beautiful wife, beautiful family. We have a beautiful home, beautiful ministry. Things is very well. And including just five, six weeks ago, I took the risk of going into some of those darkest places in but it's very, very easy to follow Jesus when you have breakthroughs, when there's open heaven, when things are happening. And then somehow the whole temperature changes. So in December of 2019, I had all these prophecies. And no, they were not false prophets. They were wrong prophets. And then all the opposite seems to happen. Tour, rotor, rotator cuff, all these health issues. I mean, it was issue after issue after issue after issue. It was like going through that and all those things that was promised in regard to the nation was canceled because of COVID-19. Our son-in-law lost his mom to COVID. And we had issue after issue after issue. It was a tough year. It was hard. And I felt that was also these disciples. I mean, you're coming to Sunday. Wow, we're going to hail him as king. It's Palm Sunday. And finally, the king has arrived. And we are going to see his kingdom come. And his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're going to now see shift in the political situation. That Rome system that is in place. And then suddenly Jesus is a little bit different. He changes from that and the temperature changes, the tone changes. And suddenly he takes them into a place of darkness and into a place and Thursday come along. And when you come to Thursday, Jesus actually, he starts to wash the disciples' feet. I've had it happen twice and Papa Jack has washed my feet. And there's something that has taken place. The last time Jesus washed my feet, but I had it in this season. You get wrecked because you know that you are the one that's supposed to wash his feet. But now he's coming in. And by the way, he also washed the feet of Judas. And then later he says, as I have loved you. And I see how he's put up with these guys. How he's been patient with these guys. How he's continued to forgive. As I have loved you, you're going to now love one another. What would that look like in this room? And that's how everyone in Albuquerque is going to see that you're authentic Jesus disciples. John 13, verse 34 to 35. Even the last prayer of Jesus saying, Father, Father, I have declared your name among them. And I will declare that the very love, Father, that you have towards me, that love is going to be in them and I in them. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then Friday comes along. Everybody is running. Hiding. It was not just a COVID-19. It was not just racial tension. It was everything at once. The perfect storm come. And all of those people, it was not that they didn't have dedication or commitment. But it was something missing that these disciples were running except for John and women. And then you get to the Friday. And how many of you have had some Friday moments in the last year? And it seems like something is dying. 
Everything that it seems that we thought it was going to happen is dying. And then the, the worst part is we are in a Saturday season before Sunday is coming. And that Saturday can be a long, long Saturday. And then Sunday comes along. And I have some good news that after there is a Saturday, Sunday is coming. After the crucifixion, there is a resurrection. Now I want you to open up your Bibles and I'm about to start my sermon. And no, it is not going to be that very long. I preached this is in a large mega church, in a Baptist church. And they had this big screen, as big as your screen, but it was just a clock. And they say, do whatever you want to. But you have 23 minutes and 18 seconds. And I looked, I introduced myself and it was 17 minutes left. I was thinking, do you guys believe in creative miracles? You need to listen very fast. But John 20, verse 19 to 23. These are life verses for me. And again, back to the story. You saw the video, 87,000 people that received Jesus. But all of us, after we saw the 200 Christian home that was burned down, after we saw the businesses, the other side of the story you didn't see, that we are in Avari Hotel, me and a Filipino son, and we are there totally crippled and overwhelmed by what was happening. And now you see in verse 19, then the same day at evening, say evening. Doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Say fear. Say fear. Jesus came and he stood in the midst and he said to them, peace, peace be with you. Peace be with you with you when he said this he showed them his hands and his side then the disciple they were glad when they saw it was the lord so jesus said to them again peace to you the first was peace with you now peace to you and then he says as the father have sent me i also send you and when he said that he he breathed on them and says receive 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 the holy spirit and then the last verse is going to be a key for this evening he says if you forgive the sins of any if you if you it didn't say if god forgives the sins of any it didn't say if i as jesus will forgive the sins of any he said if you forgive the sins of any they will be forgiven but if you retain the sins of any, this is New King James Version, they will be retained. Can you say amen? So let me just kind of cover this in a very simple way. We are in the hotel room in Avari, crippled. They have just now, there has been 54 people killed outside. They just burned down 200 Christian homes, 80 businesses. We are on a lockdown at Avari Hotel. And my Filipino spiritual son, Paul Yaro, we are doing something called soaking. Because we're being so overwhelmed by all the chaos on the outside that we need to be overwhelmed by something that is bigger. So in the hotel room, we're just <laughs> spending time. And we spent almost four hours before Jesus just came. In the middle of our fear. In the middle of our fear in a room that was full of doubt. The presence of Jesus just came into that room. 
And me and Paul, we were just, just like, whoa, can you feel that? I said, oh, yes. And we cannot move. There's just waves and waves of his presence that fell. We're laying. If you had seen a video of it, you see this Norwegian Viking and a Philippine laying and holding around each other, weeping on the floor. That if you knew the circumstances around you need, you needed an encounter. And sometimes you need, to, you need an encounter so that you can become an encounter. And then the next moment, we were on the floor. The peace just filled us. It was his peace. And then afterwards, his provision, his hands and his side. And then it was, so we became glad when we saw it was Jesus here. Jesus, it was the third person in that room was more real than us. And then from there, he released more peace. And then he gave us a new purpose. And with that purpose, he gave us a new power. And with that new power, he gave us a new perspective and a new paradigm. And I'm going to give that back again to the scriptures. So verse 19. Here they are. And I believe that even you have the year 2019. But in that verse, it says the disciple were in a room crippled of fear. How many of you believe there's been some fear going on in America in this last year? How many of you, we have all these words and all the promises, revival is here and all those different things. But somehow the way we have responded has come more from chair number two than chair number one. And most of the prophecies has also come from chair number two more than they come from chair number one. All these disciples knew they were going to be in chair number one, but they were crippled in a room full of fear, chair number two. And then Jesus just comes and he just fills that room with his presence. Wow, his presence changes everything. <laughs> if you have his presence, you have everything. If you have everything and you don't have his presence, you have nothing. And what we need is fresh encounter with his presence. These are verses that I bring with me on a daily basis. Say his presence. And it doesn't just stop with his presence. This is your pastor. And tomorrow's going to be your lead pastor. This is his life message. The whole shalom, safe, sound, complete, and whole. Jesus says, peace with you. And what I believe we're going to experience is tonight. First, we're going to experience in his presence. But then we're going to have a fresh encounter with his peace. Say peace. Say his peace. So Jesus, he doesn't knock on the door. He is the door. And he doesn't have to knock on your door. But what would it look like tonight if you get just filled with his presence? Your marriage gets filled with his presence. Your home gets full with his presence. Classrooms get full with his presence. Starbucks get full with his presence. And the purpose of the filling is the spilling. Say his presence. Say his peace. So to say he imparted his peace. Peace to your mind. Peace to your body. Peace to your sleep. There shall be peace. Peace, says the Lord. Then the next thing he does, and this is very important. He showed them his hands and his. He showed them his hands and his. What does that say? This is the wedding ring. This is a covenant statement. When he showed them his hands and his side, what are you going through? I'm struggling with addiction. And he says, look at me. I am your freedom. Well, I got chronic pain. I am your healer. Well, I need finances. I am your provider. I am your abundance. Everything that you are going through, the I am is being expressed. 
We're no longer going to come to church to have a date with Jesus when you're married to him. Could I say that again? I think that we've had a culture where we are coming to Jesus. What Jesus is going to do for us. But we, we like the date or didn't like the date. This is problem in this shaking season that's been going on. And people says, Jesus didn't work. So I go to another lover. And they've forgotten about the wedding band. These disciples have forgotten about the covenant. And that he is a covenant keeping God. So even when there's prophetic words over you, if it is connected to the wedding band, that means that if he says you're going to have a child, he means that you are supposed to And then there's going to be nakedness. Then there's going to be intimacy. And all these things before that is going to take place. So that means covenant is connected to the fulfillment of those words over your life. And if you just have a casual or contractual relationship instead of covenant relationship, it creates frustration. And this is a statement of I am. I am that I am. Whatever you need, I am. I am your strength. I am your healer. I am your breakthrough. I am, I am. Look at me, I am. I took care of that. I took your shame. I took your guilt. I took whatever you have. I am. And the only response back again is, you are. Say that with me. Say, you are. Say, you are my healer. In my weakness, you are my strength. In my bondage, you are my freedom. You are my joy. Be careful. Whatever you're going through in the middle of the sadness... I'm looking at his hands and his side. He took care of that life. I took care of that. Everything we were going to face later on that you saw in the stadium started in a room where we're experiencing his presence, his peace, and his provision. And first we freely receive. Say receive. Then become. Then release. Say receive. Become. Release. Because you are rooted and grounded in love. Because you are rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and crowned in love. Oh, high and deep and wide and long is Papa God love for me. Because you are rooted and grounded in love. And be careful because when you're going to a restaurant after church, you were going around like this. And that lost spouse that are home and you're coming into the house, you start that. Because this kind of a thinking will lead to dancing. Jesus says, whatever you're going through, make your list. He says, I am. I am that I am. Our response back again is, you are. You're my hope. You're my strength. You're my freedom. You are. And the world around us will say, he is. They will start to tweet, he is. He is a healer. All over Albuquerque, people talking, talking about he is. Jesus is. When we capture the I am of Jesus... We start to worship. We start with gratitude. You are, you are, you are. And the world around us will say, he is, he is, he is. The Bible says, they became glad. Wow, they got a new passion. Say with me, say presence, say peace, say provision, say passion. And then he says, now peace to you personal peace double for your trouble double for your trouble 
Don't before your trouble. Don't before your trouble. You're doing good. So here where you're seeing it. The only thing they got done before the trouble was peace. Paul, two times they got peace. And we're in a need and a disease. But I heard in, I heard in December of 2019, he spoke to me. Because I tried to get a verse for 2020. And he says, John 2020 for 2020. John 2020 for 2020. And I came all the way to the end of 2020 and I had forgotten that he had given me a word for the year. And all those things I faced, I could have faced with the I am. You are. He is. But I didn't. I got so overwhelmed with circumstances that I forgot to be overwhelmed by his presence, by his peace, by his provision, by his passion, by his peace. And all of this is just alignment. Say alignment. Now we can begin the assignment. Say assignment. Are you okay? Are you getting it? Is it getting you? Okay, one more time. Say his presence. His peace. His provision. His passion. His peace. And now he said, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you, Paul. I'm sending you, Ruth. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you, Jennifer. I'm sending you, Frida. I'm sending you, Steve. I'm sending you. I'm sending you. As the Father sent me in this next season, and this is the new season we're getting into. But before we do that, we first need to come home. And getting overwhelmed by his presence. I cannot give something I didn't first receive. It comes from him. It goes through him. It goes back to him. First, his presence. Then his peace. Then his provision. Then his passion. Then his peace. Then his purpose. He says, as the Father sent me. So if you are a school teacher, chair number one, you will say, thank God it is Monday. Somebody says, ADHD, you say creativity. Because when you're in chair number one and you're going into that classroom, you are seeing that Joseph, as a baseball coach, you're seeing each one of those players. Your calling is to be there. You get to influencing a whole generation, giving them his presence, his peace, his provision, whatever those kids needs. The nurse that goes in, or we met a doctor at the men's meeting that is going to the ER room. Suddenly every single one of us, we're suddenly from a chair number one, full of his presence, full of his peace, knowing everything we're going to face in this world that his provision was taken care of. And we are in a covenant relationship with him. As he is, so are we in this world. Be careful. This kind of a thinking can lead to dancing. And you can become a joyful Christian. And you could become contagious and maybe other people want that Jesus in you. The Christ in you. There's going to be the hope of glory around you. I'm about to land it. Say purpose. And my wife is afraid I'm going to take that airplane and going up again. It's a very big landing field here. Say it with me, say purpose. And I, my prayer for every single person in this room, and for Pastor Paul and Pastor Ruth in this season, I, I really do feel that I felt in the spirit yesterday, and I thought about it again 
today, and I will just speak it. I saw in the next season there will be a core group in the next year that will be developed of about 400 Chernobyl one people. They will compete. They will complete one another. They will not compete with one another. They will honor one another in such a way. Each one of them, they have their identity. They know who they are and whose they are. They found their place at the family table. They know their special sauce. But they've also restored their value. It is 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1 and 3, where David brought these 400 people. But also the next thing is they, they all then found their instrument. They found their, or one had a jawbone. Each one of those 400 are going to understand it. They're going to understand this is my purpose. We're not going to use anybody else's armor. We're going to be ourselves, and you're going to be you, and you're going to be full of you, and I bless you to be you, because everybody else is occupied. So be you, be full of you. But I do believe there's going to be a core group that God has put you. That doesn't mean other people will not come, and there will be more people, but you will recognize the very DNA. They're full of His presence. They're full of His peace, and they're full of His provision. Every time there is a giant, they're looking at His hands on His side. And they're putting on the robe every morning, but they're also putting on the ring. The robe gets you to heaven, the ring brings heaven to you. Could I say that one more time? The robe of righteousness will get you to heaven. But the ring, the wedding band, the covenant ring you have with him is the authority ring that brings heaven to earth. It is the signature ring where you get to represent the father. So what's true of him is now true of you as a son and daughter. And we will have that purpose. Each one of us have a purpose. There's not going to be any secular. Because everything is spiritual in what we're doing. Because everything we do is as unto the Lord. And we're representing him. As ambassadors of love and ambassador, as minister of reconciliation. So, but with that purpose, there's going to be a new power for these people. Say power. Is there anybody here that needs more power? There's a few of them, but half. The rest of you are going to go in your shadow afterwards. And my back is going to get healed. Yeah. Because whatever overshadows you, that's the shadow I get to go in. So he breathed on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Because I know the disciples. They were similar like us. They wanted to jump in chair number two. Because, wow, how many of you here can agree? If Jesus showed up in his fullness and his glory in this service, we will recognize the difference. How many will agree? How many of you will agree that if Jesus shows up in a classroom, there will be a difference? What about in the football game? You, you just watch Chosen and... But, but what Jesus is actually saying, it's going to be better that I go away. And they're like, and this time he said, now, hey, listen, as the Father sent me, now I am going to send you. And you, and you, and you, and you. And they're like, oh. every funeral, Jesus, you attended, you ruined the funeral. And now we are supposed to do the same thing that you did and even greater things and all that talk. I mean, that is Jesus. I can see these guys, and I like them. Reminds us about us. But he said, hey, don't worry, guys. You have a new purpose. But with his new purpose, you're going to have a new power as a baseball coach. You're going to have a new power as a construction worker. And with that, you're going to receive a new dose of the Holy Spirit. And he re received the Holy Spirit. All of this is to receive. 
And there's a new power to go with a new purpose. So say it with me again. Say presence, peace, provision, passion, peace, purpose, power. And the last one, verse 23. If you, 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 if you forgive the sins of any, they will be forgiven. But if you retain the sins of any, they will be retained. Let me describe it in another way. A few years ago, a friend of mine says, God is going to judge America. And if he does not judge America, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. That was when Washington DC made some decision about marriage. And I told my friend, I said, well, the problem with Sodom and Gomorrah was not the perversion. And he looked at me strange. The problem was there was not enough righteous. So as a friend of God, Abram steps in and says, if we have 50, 50 righteous in this place, will you save Sodom and Gomorrah? And God says, of course I will. Well, what if we have 45 chair number one believers? Will you change the world? Albuquerque, of course I will. What about 40? What about 30? Of course, God says. The problem is not darkness. The problem is not darkness, but lack of light. perspective paradigm if you for your view towards this world has all to do how i treat them in chair number two we are pointing and we are actually condemning this world and they're experiencing condemnation we are judging this world and they're experiencing judging but when we are coming in here this is what happened i said what those radical muslims did to our brothers and sisters i know what they deserve but could you place that on me i take their place so they can become free that's when the love started to melt them. That's called a ministry of reconciliation. They get to represent God before people and people before God. That's the priestly realm. And I know you're a royal priest. That's why we learn how to be a lamb. That's the lamb in us. Then the lion can roar. The people will gather. Because it comes from the lamb's heart. There's no weakness in the lamb. I love America. I've been here for 28 years. My wife is born in Albuquerque. I've traveled to all the 50 states. This year, I'm going to become an American citizen. Because I only have authority over what I love. And then somebody else says, the six cities in America that deserves the most judgment. San Francisco, Hollywood, Las Vegas, New Orleans, Washington, D.C., New York City. Put it in another way. The cities that the believers has judged the most have experienced the most judgment. Not because it is God's will. But when a believer comes into an agreement with a thief who comes to kill, steal, and destroy, instead of Jesus to come to give life and life more abundantly. mercy and what jesus is saying here now to disciples your view now towards them has all to do with how i treat them and i've had to repent many times because i'm honest i've been in chair number two a lot in this political 
culture wars that we're in the middle of. But he's invited me to come home from this very place, spend some time with a lamb whose name is Jesus. And when I'm looking at the lamb, my heart starts to melt for a nation that I love. And I get broken over the things that is broken. I start to weep. And my tears starts to produce rain. Are you guys okay? Okay. So just feeling that this is an invitation for our churches in Albuquerque. It's not just about Middle East. But the Father is inviting he is saddened over the darkness, but what saddens the Father more is that 93% of the believers are in chair number two. And they've been influenced by the wall because they don't know how to influence this wall. And they can no longer be a light and salt to bring change to this wall. And despite of all the churches, some of the city were the most churches, the statistics doesn't show. But if you take it, the temperature in chair number one would make the temperature in the wall. And you would be a thermostat Christian that would change instead of, it's easy to be a thermometer here to check the temperature of this wall. But here you would be a thermostat that sets the temperature. But to do that, you need to have a genuine fire that makes you burn brightly without burning out. Because that fire is burning oil of intimacy with your lover. So my message is, first of all, there's not any condemnation. It is an invitation. I believe many of us, the 93% of the believers, we've been stuck in chair number two most of the time during this last year. But Jesus is just coming in this season. And he is not knocking on our door. It is, it's not the same Jesus we knew on Friday. And he's filling our rooms with his presence. <laughs> and he's filling us with his peace. He's filling us with his provision. Everything that he paid for. Did he get what he paid for? Why do you carry shame when he took your shame so you could be glorified? Why are you still fighting with a sin when he became a sin so that you could receive his righteousness? Why are you still constantly begging? And I have chronic pain. I do not understand it all. But all I know is by his stripes, I am healed. And I'm not going to stop. Because there's healing in his presence. There's healing in his peace. There's healing in his provision. But my passion is coming back again after a season. I start to enjoy it again. It's several years. The death of Bob Phillips, the death of Todd Bevan, some of the closest people in my life. And it was one thing after the other, just one fight after the other. I've been at war for so long, I forgot what peace was like. But now we get COVID-19, what a gift. It was painful. But I got to come back again to the Prince of Peace. And then get filled with his presence, filled with his peace, filled with his provision, full with his passion, full, full, full of the peace. And then a new purpose, and with a new purpose, there's new power. And with that, I get new lenses, new glasses, new perspective to be able to see America. From this chair, I don't see America as a problem. I see it as a promise. 
We just need to get the lenses of heaven and see a miracle. And the last thing I'm saying now before I'm landing this is Isaiah was a chair number two prophet. And he was prophesying to the world. And woe was them. And woe was the miracle. What's going on? And if he was here with all those Democrats, all this or all that, that's what he would do from chair number two. But then it was the year King Uzziah died. When the King Uzziah died, he had an encounter. And Uzziah was what he relied on. He was probably the cousin. And then from there, when he had an encounter, it was no longer what was them, it was what was me. And the seraphim was going up and down. And then he says something. And I saw that the whole earth is filled with glory. When you see things from heaven, you will see that all of America is full of glory. Not glory. But when he was in chair number two, he saw the darkness. But when he had a heaven's perspective after seeing God and then recognizing I'm the problem. I'm coming home and I have a fresh encounter. Now he saw the whole earth is filled with the glory. And then he got a new fire and you're going to get a new fire on your lips so you can burn. It cleanses you, but also you're burning for something you can talk about that is contagious for people because you're set on fire. Whoa! That passion is back. Can we stand to our feet? And then he said, here I am. Send me. Alan, you're the best dressed person in this room. You just won the award.